We all know plenty of kids under the age of 13 use Instagram. They know they're not supposed to be doing it. We know they're not supposed to be doing it, but it's happening anyway. Well now, Facebook president Mark Zuckerberg wants to make it easier for kids under that age to get involved with social media via Instagram, which of course Facebook owns. Does anybody else feel like this is a bad idea? Yeah, a whole bunch of people do. Hey everyone, Adam Holtz here, your host for The Plugged In Show, Focus on the family's weekly conversation about entertainment, technology, and pop culture. Thanks for joining us today. Well, about a month ago, Facebook president Mark Zuckerberg indicated that Instagram is in the early stages of researching a version for younger users. And you could almost hear the cheers of elementary kids <laughs> going up worldwide, yeah. right? As they finally will have a version of Instagram for their little selves. Oh um, but as I mentioned, <laughs> this is a problem. And it's a problem from so many different directions. And that is what we are going to be talking about today. So for those who, you know, think... <laughs> Social media for children is a flat-out bad idea. Yeah, you're right. Well, joining me for today's conversation are... Kristen Smith. Jonathan McKee. Paul Acey. If you had access to social media as a tween or teen, and I did the math, Kristen, I don't think you you did. You would have been the only one even remotely in the, <laughs> same, the same millennium here. So <laughs> imagine that you had had access to social media as a tween or a teen, how do you think it would have impacted your adolescent experience for better or for ill? Okay, well, I think it would be terrible. Um, I already, <laughs> honestly. That is an awesome plugged in answer. It Say more about that. <laughs> I really truly mean that. I mean, kids were mean enough anyway. I moved a lot from school to school. And it was really hard. You were hard. like David Banner, weren't you? I don't know who that is. Wow. But it's really hard to always be like the new person. Um, and girls were really, really mean. And I would have absolutely hated having another platform where people could be terrible to you. And instead of like, it's different if someone's going to say something to your face, usually they don't have enough courage to do it. Um, sometimes they do though. Sometimes I'll they do. I'll tell a story later. Yeah. But <laughs> Jonathan think... also has a story. <laughs> <laughs> but I think over social media is way easier. So I think it would have been terrible. And then of course, like you already have self image issues that young, you're already trying to figure out who you are and who people want you to look like or something like that. So it's much easier to just kind of do face-to-face contact. So all bad. I think so. Yeah. 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 No, I, I, I agree so much, Kristen, because two things would have happened to me. One, I, I got picked on a ton, especially I think of like middle school. And back then, uh, you know, kids would pass notes. That's what we do. We yep. pass notes. Yep. And so, or tape and notes. I, I found many a note back. where someone did like a caricature of me, you know, with, and that would get passed around and kids were laughing or whatever. Oh well, goodness. I mean, it's terrible. You know, if this was, if this was social media, it would have gone beyond the walls of that right, classroom and right. that 30 kids. It would have all of a sudden been to like, you know, all 3000 kids of the school exactly. or whatever. Yes, it was a big school. But the other thing is I know just the way I was, I would have definitely had a screen in my bedroom and I would have been up all night trying to talk to girls because that just would have been, I mean, I was, I was girl crazy and I would have, and I already, my mom would always catch me like on the phone at night when I wasn't supposed to be on the phone at night or listen to music at night when I wasn't supposed to be listening to music at night. I know I just would have been 
constantly dialoguing. And of course, then encountering these posts about me that would have stressed me out. And yeah, it wouldn't have been a good niche. And you would have been yep. up even later at yep. that point. I mean, Absolutely. you've really painted a picture of yourself as sort of a bullied Casanova, which is <laughs> an interesting kind of paradox that I, I enjoy thinking about little Jonathan, you know, being girl crazy. I don't enjoy thinking about you being picked on, but it's kind of a, it's kind of fun. I love contrast. that, man. I'm going to, that, the that, bullied that Casanova. Bullied Casanova. You know, my bio is going to be titled that now, <laughs> the bullied Casanova. I'm here to help. Awesome. Paul, what about you? Well, I was going to say that it would have been bad, but with everybody chiming in, I'm going to say it would be great for me. I knew that you would go the other way. <laughs> Only because the only thing I could do in junior high and elementary school was pass notes. I was a great note writer. Wow. Did, could anybody so, read them? I had much better handwriting back then. That is impressive. I no. believe that. I, it, truthfully, truthfully, I think it would have been terrible. I was not a very popular kid. I knew that I wasn't very popular to have empirical data to show just how unpopular I was, I think would have been uh, a bad the thing. Zero in Here's the zero like thing, column. Though. I don't think it matters because I wasn't not popular. I wasn't one of the most popular people, no. but I wasn't okay, like... Okay, I get what you're saying. Right. So I just don't think it would have mattered. I mean, I think even if you're super popular, you you can play it off as if the, the comments don't bother you, but the comments bother so you. So you're sure. saying even popular kids are are real human beings exactly i yeah. wouldn't know because yeah. i wasn't one of them either <laughs> yeah, but, but but Kristen's at least kind of cool i mean you're sitting here Kristen, with guys that would have had single digits in the likes okay this right. is us all right you know you would have at least been in the triple digits all right, nah, right. I, yeah oh. part of me thinks that maybe social media would have made me more popular but i even think that that would have been a bad step in my evolution as a person right because then i would have been kind of a jerk what about you don't Adam? say anything <laughs> you adam i wasn't gonna say anything. so what we're getting here is lose 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 yeah. which might be a prelude to our conversation that we're going to have um you know i think that uh like the rest of us it sounds like we need to start a support group <laughs> i think that there would have been aspects of it that would have been bad i mean i can think about things that happened um with the exception of the one fight I was in in sixth grade where I knocked a guy down three times, I like to think maybe that okay. would have gone viral. It would have, yeah. In a positive way. In a positive way, uh, yep. But that wasn't really a positive experience. <laughs> I wonder if it would have let my inner geek get out a little bit more because I think the internet is sort of a, uh, a hothouse of uh, geekdom in some ways. Okay, I'm making really weird generalizations. But I had lots of unique interests, and I think I – as a you know a little kid in the 70s and 80s it's mostly you're mostly on your own but i would have found like-minded people i think who shared my probably. interests in comic yeah. books and star wars and you know def leppard probably you know i i think i would have probably been you know finding other like-minded people and so i think if there's a positive yeah that's true that might have been one of the positive outcomes well, my daughter and I were driving back from swimming practice a while back, and normally our swimming practice conversations are pretty inane. Uh, but out of the blue, she like pitched me the, the best plugged-in softball question she has ever asked. <laughs> and I think she's, she's angling for a phone, and we haven't given her one yet. But she just pipes up and says, Dad, what's so bad about social media anyway? <laughs> and boy, was Let I ready you. for that opening. Uh, but I think it's a great question, and it's a great segue to talking more about this issue of social media and why it's potentially problematic for young users. As I mentioned, Instagram is apparently working on a version of its 
incredibly popular social media platform that's going to be designed for users younger than age 13. Now, that's the normal sign-up age for social media. We all know that there are probably kids who are, well, there are kids who are misrepresenting themselves. Um, but this is sort of making it, quote, Instagram official, unquote. You know, we're going after the youngsters, too. At a congressional hearing in late March, uh, Mark Zuckerberg confirmed that, and he said, I think helping people stay connected with friends and learning about different content online is broadly positive. Um, and then he went on to say, there were clearly issues that needed to be thought through and worked out, including how parents can control the experience of kids, especially kids under the age of 13. And we haven't worked through all that yet, but I think something like this could be quite helpful for a lot of people. So what do you think? Is, is Mark crazy here? How do you respond to that quote? Well, the first thing I'd say is that this isn't his first time doing this. Uh, I mean, back in <laughs> January of 2018, uh, he did the same thing with um, Messenger Kids, and he was trying to, you know, basically have this Facebook app targeting six through 12 year olds. And a coalition of 97 child health advocates sent a letter to him saying, "You need to discontinue this." And we're talking people like Common Sense Media, Campaign for a Commercial-Free Childhood, Parents Across America, um, Dr. Gene Twinge spoke out. Uh, all these people were saying, hey, no, sorry, kids. <laughs> and that was before some of this research that listeners, right. you remember us talking about in several of these plugged-in shows where, we've, where a lot of these researchers more recently have noticed a spike in depression and they've talk specifically about how social media and too much time on social media can be harmful. Even before then, all these people were like, uh-uh, no, not for kids. How about right. no? I won't quote Austin Powers anymore, but I wanted to get that in there. <laughs> and I also think, um, I think I know Mark Zuckerberg has kids, but I think when they get to the age where you're really starting to see the effects, you start to change your mind. When you have really little kids, like my son is three, um, he's the oldest. And so, Does he have his Instagram account yet? Absolutely not. <laughs> um, I just think, especially as someone who's creating this content, you're very excited about the content you're creating. You want to put it out there. You want to make more money. You want things to generate. I hear that. But when your child gets that old and you start to see the negative effects that social media has, you'll probably be singing a different tune. I think that's absolutely true. You have, when you look at it from Mark Zuckerberg's, you know, seat, you're thinking about this guy who's a capitalist. He sees this yeah. demand for yeah. a product. He wants to supply it. It just makes sense, right? But from a kid's standpoint, it really doesn't make sense. And I think all of us as parents can appreciate how important likes, approval of your peers becomes when you're a kid, when you're in your older elementary years, when you're in middle school, those likes become so important. And so you end up doing a lot for likes. And if you don't get them, it's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's good, uh, Paul, that you're actually focusing on that aspect of it, because kids tend to sometimes you know, ask questions like, what's what's so bad about social media? And sometimes as parents, we tend to put everything in the all bad or all good category. And, and, you know, there's there's aspects of social media that are really cool where you can connect with people across the country and this kind of stuff. You know, um, you could keep up with friends. You know, gosh, you could follow great, you know, Bible studies and, and whatever on social media. But 
I think if we talk specifically with kids about this pressure that it creates with likes and followers, that's a huge pressure right now. And I think it's something that kids need to be mature enough to handle. And that's the way we can, you know, tackle these conversations is talking about, hey, you know, I think maybe someday you're going to be ready to, you know, um, handle this, but not yet. Yeah. One of the things that that you've done, Jonathan, in the past is you've compared social media. You know, the the having kids involved with social media is as driving a car, right? And I think that that's so apt because it's exactly what you're talking about here. I think that that the perils. There's a lot of cool things that come with driving a car. But the perils can be so, so severe if you don't handle it well. And and kids at that age, I just don't think are equipped to, to deal with it very well. No, I agree with that. Yeah, part of this quote it says, I think helping people stay connected with friends and learn about different content online is broadly positive. I would agree with that. That is broadly positive. However, depending on your age and the discernment level that you have as a child, you're really not supposed to be connected to that many people online. You can't handle it. Adults don't even handle it well. Hop on Facebook for two seconds and start to see people losing their mind over a comment that somebody said. Like, you don't have enough maturity that you just can't move on from something you read. You really think people need to to know about your opinion that bad. They don't. And so especially as a child where you feel like this is this is good. I mean, I think they're learning to use their voice. They want to be heard, but they're using it on a platform where they're not learning how to interact with the person. And so they're keeping this wall between them where they can say all these things, but they don't really know how to dialogue. They don't really know how to make that connection. And that's an issue. Yeah. And, and often... Even if you get 100 likes, what may exert the most influence is that one really mean thing. It's drama. It's always going to be drama. And um, a couple of months ago, Netflix aired the documentary The Social Dilemma, which is fascinating. The scene that absolutely stands out to me is a scene where um, a young girl, and I'm not sure if she's over 13 or under 13. she's She's definitely in that tween zone. She kind of poses and she takes some selfies and she moves her hair around and she does that. I call it the selfie fish face, you know. Yeah. Um, you can imagine me making that, you know, as you're listening to this <laughs> podcast. Um, not a pretty picture. No, it's it's not pretty at all. It's never mind. I digress. Anyway, she she finds one that she likes and yeah. she posts it and the likes start flowing in and you see this little smile start to form on her face. And then one person says you know, basically too bad about your ears. That's not a direct quote, but basically they say her ears are too big and you just watch it so well done because it's all showing and no telling, right? Very well done. You watch her entire countenance crumble and she goes to the mirror and she pulls her hair in front of her ears and a little tear trickles down her face. And you're like, that one comment right there is years of therapy potentially. I mean, I'm, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but those are the barbs that go in. Yeah, I think what that scene really shows is that when you're young, you think everything is the biggest deal in the world. Everything is so huge. I remember all of these feelings. Like, it's the end of the world. I broke up with this guy. I'm never going to get over this, right? Like, all these absolutes. You probably got over it, though, right? <laughs> yes. Eventually. But when, but the thing, like, when you're that young, you just, you're holding all of your whole world in your hands, and everything seems so big. Now imagine the whole world actually knowing about something. Right. That actually is big, and that actually yeah. is a problem. And so you take it from one classroom where someone's passing notes about you, and you, you actually get to escape into another classroom where it's not the same kids and how nice is that 
But what if all of those kids have a phone and they're looking at the same thing too? Yeah. I mean, I remember one time at sixth grade before I really completely understood where I had landed smack in the middle of the bell curve of adolescent development. I was neither beautiful nor hideous. I was utterly forgetful in the middle and or forgettable in the middle. And I asked the most popular girl in school to dance. And it was in that moment that I began to understand very, very uh, intimately where I was at, you know, and she, I, I won't repeat what she said because it wasn't nice, but we'll just say it wasn't nice. And I'm 50. And I remember that moment. Yeah. What if somebody had been filming it? You know, what if somebody, Uh, um, you know, she had all her friends come around and let me know what she thought again. um, But holy cow, that was horrible. Mm -hmm. But if it had been on social media, how much worse would it have been? Just like what you were saying, Kristen. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. And Kristen said the words, whether she intended or not, she said, and then the whole world sees. And in a way, that's a perception. And, 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 you know, we know that the whole world didn't see it. There was some right. guy, you know, somewhere across the world who did not see it. But to us, it seems like the whole world. And as hard as those and difficult as those moments are, Adam, which I can go back and I can tell you story after story of, you know, where somebody said a mean thing to me, you know, alone by my locker or, you know, uh, in PE class or, you know, while I was walking home and they right. turned and they said something, I was like, those words hurt. Mm-hmm. But if you've ever in front of a whole classroom when a kid said something and the entire class laughed, mm-hmm. it's like there's something about it that's a thousand times worse. Yeah. And if, for example, maybe there was a school assembly and somebody stood up on stage and said something funny about you, then the entire school laughed, that would be like... You know, I mean, the worst thing ever. Well, that's what social media does every time. Right. It feels like, just like Kristen said, it feels like the whole world is watching. It's an amplifier. And it's not just the breadth, which is a huge issue. It's the depth and length of what social media does with some of these comments, right? I, I, I know just from listening to you guys talk that we all remember deeply the slights that were made to us. We will remember those things for as long as we have memories yeah. to, to hold them. Yeah. When you're dealing with social media, there's a potential that it lasts forever in a different sort of way. Right. You know, social media can be this eternal platform where those slights never go away. As much as you try to forget it, there may be some corner online that will remind you. Yeah. And I think, too, like with that, it's interesting to read these articles, you know, where Zuckerberg is talking about how, you know, there's a lot of positives and there might be some possibly (laughs) for kids that are this young. But really, this is for money. Like, right. He's an entrepreneur. This is something that he's trying to do to, to better himself and his company. No one can shame him for that. Like, I totally get it. Except that. When you have a kid this young, scientists, like there's so many people that are saying like, this is not okay. So we're not going to pretend like you can market this in a way that's going to make it okay for young kids. Right. We you, can't, already know... you can't do it with parental controls in a way that's well, going to uh, alleviate all of these potential problems. Yes, but I think there's also that, and I'm sure that's like probably their, their backup. Well, of course there's going to be parental controls. Of course there's going to be a way for pr- parents to be able to monitor their stuff. We already monitor enough. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. Like the last thing that we need is another platform to monitor to to watch our kids social and mental health go down the drain wow well and 
Adam mentioned the documentary, The Social Dilemma, and many of us remember seeing that moment because I think yeah. it was one of the most powerful moments. And it was in that section of that movie, of that documentary, that Dr. Jonathan Haidt uh, went on and started talking about the effects of social media and the pressure it creates on young people. And just, just it was a powerful moment in the film. Dr. Jonathan Haidt and Dr. Gene Twinge are the two that put together that open source document that we've talked about on this uh, Plugged In show before, um, where they basically said, okay, researchers, let, let's put it all in. You know, what, what, what about screen time really does affect us? What's good? Mm-hmm. What's bad? Let's see what we agree on. And listeners probably remember us talking about it a couple months ago as we talked about social media on this podcast. That they came up with two things. One, there's a mental health crisis right now. And two, the second thing that pretty much everybody agreed on is social media is affecting girls especially. And they shouldn't spend too much time on it. And they shouldn't be on it until high school. And that's what most of these experts are agreeing on. And that's why so many of these experts are chiming in and saying, uh-uh. Matter of fact, Dr. Jean Twinge actually just tweeted this, and she says this, I quote, there's a good amount of research suggesting that Instagram is among the most toxic social media platforms because of its emphasis on image and followers. My view is that there's really no way to make it completely safe for young kids. Yeah, I mean, I think to that effect, when you're older, like my age, I'm on Instagram, and I'm actually really starting to see a lot of body positive content, which is incredible. It's incredible to go your whole life and think that the standard is you have to be a size two or a size zero, and you're supposed to look like this. And now these women who are actual women who have curves, who like enjoy their food, get to post pictures, (laughs) seriously, post pictures and look like normal humans. And I think that's awesome, except that no matter how accepted that might be at my age, there's still standards when you're young. There are still standards. And the most popular girls are always in school going to set those standards. So no matter what an older generation might be feeling or really thankful for, it doesn't set the precedent for a younger generation. Well, and in response to Zuckerberg's comments, um, a hundred or so people basically signed a letter saying, this is a bad idea, kind of like what you were talking about earlier, Jonathan. And And they said, quote, the platform's relentless focus on appearance, self-presentation, and branding presents challenges to adolescents' privacy and well-being. Younger children are even less developmentally equipped to deal with these challenges as they're learning to navigate social interactions, friendships, and their inner sense of strengths during this critical window of development. So it's, I think that's another way of, of, emphasizing what we have been talking about. Uh, And again, if we go back to our own um, experiences as adolescents, I don't know, I don't know anybody who would say, oh, adolescence was so awesome. So great. I just want to do it again. Like, (laughs) I would not do junior high again for all of the money on planet Earth. Well, Mm -hmm. maybe all, for most of the money on planet Earth. (laughs) Yeah. Because it was so difficult. You are you're moving from being a, a young child to an adult. And it, okay, we all know what adolescence is. I won't belabor the point any further. It's hard, right? And and we don't always get it right. The other day I was at the park um, with my son and then my friend and her kids. And one of her, her son is, I think he's in the fourth grade. Um, and he asked, I just watched it happen. I, he asked to play with a friend that, or a kid, he didn't know him. And the kid said, no, I don't want to play with you. And he runs off and does his own thing. 
Well, five seconds later, he comes back and says he's sorry and says that he will play with him. And I thought, okay, that's so sweet. But what if on social media, someone put that out there? And that was the first thing they said was, no, you can't play with me. And instead of taking the time to go back and apologize once they realized that they had done wrong, someone started to like that thing, that mean thing. And then you start to get affirmation about the mean thing that you did. You start to think, well, maybe, you know, that's cool. Or like there are a group of people that really appreciated this. And I think when you're that little, like you guys are saying, everyone's saying it, there's a maturity that needs to happen. There's a let's go outside and play and experience and talk to each other and interact that you're not doing on social media. You're just not. And you're creating an entire generation of an emotionally immature people. They do not know how to interact face-to-face. I've watched these like, these young kids where, like, when I was 13, if I would have, if someone, like, an adult would have said hi to me and I would have just, like, stared at them and not really said anything, I would have gotten in huge trouble when I got home. But I really think this is, like, they don't really know, like, what to say or how to say it because they're so absorbed with screens. That's a problem. We are raising a, a generation of young people who, are not only, you know, don't know how to conversate and use words like that, uh, <laughs> but they're also ill-equipped for conflict management. And, you know, the story you just shared, Kristen, is about a kid who kind of realized, hey, I don't know if that was right, or maybe mom made him apologize, I don't know, but he right. was learning. And that's what you do when you play. You learn and you figure this out. But sadly, young people today, they're, you know, gleaning wisdom from role models of the celebrities they follow. And these celebrities are just absolutely biting each other and backstabbing each other. And it's almost like mob mentality. Like, let me say a comment and see how many likes I get. Now there's a comment back and see how many likes I get. Mm -hmm. And it's almost as if kids are learning that they're on that proverbial playground where they're looking behind them to see who's standing with me on this one, huh? And they just don't even know how to have a conversation and say, I'm sorry. And this is where we need to teach our kids to play and go outside and hang out with each other and not have them navigating this social media world when they're 10 years old. I don't even think they need the influence of of celebrities online or or wherever to, to, to learn this because Honestly, and I'm about to make a huge generalization here. I know that there are definitely exceptions, but often on social media, meanness wins. Totally. Snark wins. Yeah. When you feel like you're being clever, when you're feeling like you're being quippy, when you feel like you're denigrating somebody else sometimes so that you can build yourself up. Yep. That tends to get more likes than trying to be winsome and sincere and likable. Yeah. I mean, and, and even in our comedy, uh, this is a little bit of a of a rabbit trail, but, you know, you don't make a drama about nice people behaving nicely, right? You make drama and comedies about people saying and doing mean things because it, it gets laughs, it gets attention. And, and even again, as somebody who's been around five decades – when I say something clever or sarcastic or cynical and I get a response, um, that feels good, right. right? Whether I'm saying it in real life, in person, yeah. but especially if I'm doing it online, you can quantify that response. You know, if I tell a joke and everybody laughs and says, oh, you're so funny, you know, that strokes my ego a little bit. But if I do that online and 300 people like it, 
how much more exponentially powerful is that? And so I think it gets at what you're talking about, Paul, that social media conditions us, you know, almost in a Pavlovian way to do things that are socially inappropriate to get attention. Well, and I think that that I can even feel this in my own life, oddly right. enough, because... Yeah, it's not just the kids. My favorite reviews to write are the snarky ones. I like to be mean in my reviews sometimes, and sometimes these movies deserve <laughs> it. But at the same time... When you're doing this, you sometimes forget that there are real people in front of the camera, real people behind the camera doing their absolute best to make a great product. And and I think that, that sometimes what I say doesn't necessarily serve a higher purpose. Yeah, I think the only thing I was thinking of as you're saying this is, well, one, it's true. But also, I think no matter how much we say, they're probably still going to create this, right? So what do we do? Like, what do we do if they create this? And this is for younger children. Do we set boundaries? Do we set the parental controls? Do we watch it? Do we just tell them no? My inclination would be to say, absolutely not. You're not going to get this. Um, but is that going to cause rebellion? Are they going to do it anyway? And so how do you navigate this world where someone's coming in really young, they're immature, they don't know how to navigate this? How do you as a parent set those boundaries for your family? And Jonathan, I know you have thought about some of those questions a great deal. What are, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, my thoughts are that, you know, we have to remember that when our kids are young, we are the parent. And yeah. I think we need to kind of look at the calendar and consider the big picture. And the big picture is that when they're 18 years old, they're going to be out on their own. They're going to be making these decisions on their own. And we need to constantly ask ourselves, how can we equip them for that day? And so if we were talking about high school kids, I think it's a much different conversation because we're starting to think about how can I equip them to just in a few years now to start making these decisions about uh, you know, whether they're going to keep that device in their bedside all night long, whether mm-hmm. they're going to be on social media all night, which social media platforms will I be on? But you know what? Eight and 10 year olds, they aren't ready to make those decisions. So Chris and I agree with you. I think it's a flat out no. And, and you've got literally hundreds of mental health advocates who are behind you saying, no, they're not ready for this. This is just like a car. Yeah. They're not ready for the responsibility. They can't even see over the dash yet. And even though a car can be a great place because you can drive your grandma to church, there's about 20 <laughs> other things you can do wrong, like hit people on the sidewalks, and they're not ready for that yet. Yeah. And you need to wait till they're older before they get that privilege and they start to understand the responsibility that comes along with it. Yeah, my 14-year-old is on the verge of getting his uh, permit, and I think... Um, I want to just draw a cartoon that has a terror bubble in, on top of my head. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, just to, I guess, to to your point, Jonathan, um, I had a lot, not a lot, I had some friends whose parents were a lot more lax in their rules. And as they got older and became teenagers, I would watch them talk to their parents and be horrified because all I could think about was, man, if I talked to my parents that way, I'd be grounded for life. Um, And I think there's something to be said about when your kids are this little, setting really firm boundaries. And it's probably going to result in some battles that you would rather not have because you're already tired and you're busy and you do a lot. Um, But I think when you set the really firm boundaries that say, like, we're not going to engage in this, you're not ready. And I know best you're going to set the precedent for respect and for a relationship that's actually healthy as your kids get older. Mm. 
I love that, Kristen. And I think that's a good place to land our conversation today. Um, social media is not going anywhere. This technology isn't going anywhere. As parents, we're in this ongoing process of figuring out how to navigate it. And that process changes depending on how old our kids are, that we're, we're, we're really striving to equip them to navigate this world in a healthy way when they're out on their own, which is what Jonathan was talking about. Um, and so I think that the watchword here is intentionality. Um, it can be easy to feel like, oh, I have to get it perfect as a parent, right? But I think perfection is a goal that is, is ultimately crushing. Right. Whereas I think all of us can grow as parents in intentionality. You know, when I get home at the end of the day, instead of plopping down with my smartphone to zone off and read the news because I've earned it after working a long day, you know, I'm going to set the example of not turning my phone on, engaging with my kids, talking about the evening. Like there, there are simple, concrete things that we can do habitually. And yeah. those habits over time really shape the culture of our family. And if at certain points bad habits develop or we drift off course, that's okay because the goal isn't perfection. At that point, we have a reset and we mm -hmm. say, okay, you know what? We're not in a healthy place. What can we do together to make that better? And as parents, uh, you know, we're the ones responsible for establishing those boundaries, establishing those values and those priorities. Uh, and I think that if you are wanting to grow in intentionality, uh, we actually have a resource here at Focus on the Family that can help you do that. It's Focus on the Family Vice President Danny Huerta's book, Seven Traits of Effective Parenting. And you'll find a link to order that book in our episode notes for today's show for a gift of any amount, as well as on the blog entry for today's conversation. Or if that sounds like something you'd like to read, and it is a terrific book, you can just call 800-A-FAMILY and order it there as well. Also, we would love to hear from you on this week's conversation. Um, it's not a new one. I, I'm aware that we have talked about social media before, but I feel like it's one of those subjects that we just keep circling back to because the challenges are so real. So what are the issues that you have faced? What are the successes that you've had? You know, what, what changes have you made to your family culture and your family life that have been really life-giving in this area? We would love to hear those stories and you can reach out to us either at Facebook or Instagram or shoot us an email at team at thepluggedinshow.com and we would love to interact with you on that. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. We appreciate that you have taken the time to, to sit and listen to us. And I hope that what we have shared today has provided a point of encouragement or just a, a practical idea on how you can deal with this issue in your life. And we hope that you join us again next week for another episode of The Plugged In Show. Plugged In.